0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's com slash four keys and download your free copy.
1: I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists, and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories Learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs.
2: Hold up. What was that?
1: In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, I speak with Mike Rostowski. Mike is making the world a better place, one man at a time. In this revealing chat about grief, loss, and growth, he talks to me about how our relationships can become one of our greatest engines for personal growth. Mike, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative.
4: Hey, Sereny. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's my, uh, my pleasure. Uh, you know, you've actually long been requested by, by many of our listeners. And, and you and I have known each other for quite some time. You, we seem to to have a lot of overlapping circles. So, Mike, tell me a bit about yourself, your background, and your story, and and how that has led you to to the work that you're doing today.
4: Um, yeah. So, so currently, um, I've um, I've been traveling the world full time for about two years. I, uh, I sold everything I own in uh, March 2012, and I work with high performing men. Um, so I, um, I'm a coach for mainly entrepreneurs. Like most of my clients are entrepreneurs and, um, I'm just really, um, just really dedicated to this, this space of like men's work. And and I know we'll, we'll probably talk more about it and, um, yeah. And I, my business is, um, primarily one-on-one coaching and I also do some, um, live events and I'm doing my first like really big live event, um, in a couple of weeks in San Diego called the the conference for men. Um, so my, my life is pretty sweet right now. And, but it's, um, it hasn't been for most of my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm trying to think of like where to start. So, so it's, I've actually been introduced as like a sex expert before, which is <laughs> the most like surreal, crazy thing. Um, because it's funny cause for most of my life, just, just women and sex and relationships and intimacy was just, just such a pain point. And, i had I had no idea what I was doing, and a lot of that was due to my upbringing so i was um i was raised one of jehovah's witnesses so kind of a in a very like just like strict conservative r- religious i mean very loving like my i had amazing parents growing up um but just just sort of uh, like in that kind of tight container um so i so I didn't really get to experience a lot when I was young, and i you know only hung out with my friends from church and I like really wasn't allowed to do anything, that a lot of the other kids did. Um, and especially around, you know, like sex and, and girls, like I, I didn't date at all just throughout high school. Um, like had my first kiss, like first super awkward kiss as a senior in high school. And, Um, you know, I was just taught that, you know, I'm not supposed to date unless I'm going to get married. So I had just a lot of, I guess, godly fear around women and then, and then just fear because I had no experience at all. Um, so it's, it's been just a really interesting process of, um, over, I'd say over the past decade, like I just, I've been trying to just figure women out and just trying to figure out, you know, how to get into the hearts and, and minds of, of women. And I, you know, as a, as probably like in my early twenties, I would just like read my girlfriend's Cosmo magazines, like just to be like, what are, what are these strange alien creatures thinking about? <laughs> like, I just like, it, like women were like a whole different world to me. And, um, I just put a lot of space into just like getting that piece figured out because I had so much pain in my life around it just cause I, you know, like girls would ask me out and I'd, I was so painfully shy that like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even look at them in the eyes. And, and my friends would, you know, like my guy friends would make fun of me. Cause I would, that was really into powerlifting and weight weightlifting at the time. So they'd be like, Mike, you're, you're like the biggest dude like in our school and a girl talks to you and you become a seven year old, like what's, what's wrong with you. And, and it was just, I just, I was just really shy. And, and I had so many like beliefs and thoughts about, about women and, and I just thought like I wasn't supposed to talk to them, and then when they did, I just totally shut down. Um, so I, you know, I I, I put a, a lot of time into into studying relationships, and I've read like every book on relationships written for men, every book on relationships written for women, and um, and 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 now like today, as I as I look at just life, and as I look at a lot of the work that I've done, um, to me, it's like I. I think your relationship is your greatest personal growth engine, and and I think I I I've fallen into talking a lot about like relationships and intimacy because oftentimes like that's that's where we get challenged the most and and I think how you show up in your relationship is how you show up in life so um, oftentimes I I take guys like just really deep into that and you know it's like how you show up in sex is how you show up in the world and you know oftentimes just by changing something little, it 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 has nothing to do with like sex or the bedroom and it has so much more of just like how you show up like in the boardroom or how you show up on stage or how you show up in an interview or how you show up when you like walk into a room. Um so so yeah, so so right now, um I'm I'm just really dedicated to to serving men. Um and and that's because when I was young, I like there was nothing there was nothing for me. And I spent I spent pretty much all of my twenties just um, just wasting a lot of time and like drinking a lot and playing video games and just was trying to like numb the pain of like not knowing what to do or like what the next steps are, um, instead of doing things to better myself, or instead of doing things to like make the world a better place. And I, I just was really not on purpose and, um, and just, just kind of floating sort of aimlessly through life. Like, even though, I was doing all the things that I was supposed to do. Like I worked for five years and then I got my MBA and then I got this like high paying corporate job. I was in a leadership development program for a fortune 50 healthcare firm. And I was doing all the stuff that I wanted to do, but just still um, really, really wasn't that being just like satisfied with, with how I was spending my time. Um, And then, and, and for me, like the, the big piece of, of my story and, I've talked a lot about it. Um, like everything changed on, um, June 4th, 2011. And, and for one thing, I went to, um, the world domination summit or I went to world domination summit. Um, Chris, Chris Guillebeau's conference. And I went to the first one. And at the time I was just a normal guy working a corporate job. And I read Chris's blog and I saw this, this thing that just seemed really cool. And Um, you know, even as I look back, like, I don't know why I bought a ticket to that conference. It was, um, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I wasn't, you know, like running a business or running a nonprofit, just everyone else at the conference just seemed way cooler than me. But for some reason I just, I wanted to go and I wanted to be a part of it. And, um, when I, when I went to WDS, I I remember just meeting all these people, and you know so many of them were younger than me, and they were living the most just remarkable lives just you know businesses living all over the world they um chris's tribe has a lot of like digital nomads, so they're people just you know living out of a backpack like running a successful you know like running successful businesses and you know like huge organizations and um and they were really nice too and And, you know, they weren't like, Oh, I'm so cool. Look at my business. It was more of the energy of like, yeah, like I did this and it's hard and it's taken a lot of work, but you know, it's like, I'd love to jump on Skype with you or I'd love to show you exactly how I did it. Like, I'd love to share everything with you. And, and it was kind of like taking the red pill in the matrix. Like I, I didn't even know that this world existed. I, I had never, I have never even dreamed of like being an, an entrepreneur and, I I remember thinking I've never said this in any, in an interview, but like I've always thought that like entrepreneurs have something special. Or I I always would like you know I'd have friends, parents who were entrepreneurs, and I'd think, man, those those guys are so brave. Or like they they just have something that that I don't have. Like there's there's no way I could ever do that. You know, there's no way I could ever go out on my own and sell a product or sell a service, but. Um, there was something around just being in that atmosphere and, and just meeting person after person after person and, and just hearing their stories and, and hearing them say, you know, I literally don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) but I'm making it up as I go. And my business has been growing every year and I'm still afraid. And at times it's really, really tough, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, So like in that, in that moment, just my, it's like my, my mind was literally blown. Like my coming out of that weekend, my, my brain was, was bigger because of all of the possibilities that, that I could, you know, live in my life. So easily like one of the best experiences of my life. Um, And then I had the worst experience of my life, like five hours before the conference started. Um, So my, my mom passed away unexpectedly in, in her sleep. Um, I, I got the call. Um, I was in the, in the hostel (laughs) in this like room with like eight other guys sleeping in bunk beds. And it was like three o'clock in the morning and kind of smelled like a locker room in there. And I kept like, my phone kept blowing up and I was getting text messages and I finally answered. And, uh, and my, and my brother was just like crying. And my dad was like in the background and, um, and they said like, mom died. And, um and it was so it was so unexpected like my my mom had had been sick for a while and she had chronic fatigue syndrome and she was just just kind of just tired and depressed for a, a lot of like the last i don't know probably last decade of her life but it was just completely unexpected and um when i when i got the call it's like i i i didn't even really cry like i was just sort of just in shock and I got the call and um I sort of immediately went into that like protector coach mode cuz I've I've always been someone who's just like held space for for other people and and I you know made sure my dad and my brother were, were okay and talked them through it um and then I went back to sleep and then in the in the morning like 5 hours later I walked to the conference and then and I sort of already told you what happened at the conference so so for me, it was just this, just complete, complete destruction of my life. Like it was, it was like the train completely goes off the tracks. And then, and then from that moment, just like life has, has never been the same because there's no way that it could be the same. And, um, I, I talk a lot about death, like in, in my writing and, and in my coaching with men. Cause, cause for me, like death has been one of my, my greatest teachers and, um, you know, like I know it's, it's a theme that, you know, we even talked about at, at the weekend at the, at the instigator experience, just, just that just die, die empty, right? Just live fully and die empty. And, um, and once my mom passed away, just, I had no other choice because I, I, cause I, I knew it and I felt it and I was like, just shit. Like I, <laughs> like, this is not a dress rehearsal and Um, you know, what am I doing? I'm, I'm working this corporate job and I make a ton of money that like, I don't even need. And like, I'm spending a bunch of it on just like wine and clothes and stuff to, to numb the pain of, of me, like not doing something that, that turns me on or like not doing something that like makes the world a better place. And, um, and then, and then from that moment on, just everything, everything shifted. Just, I, I had no other option, but but to live a conscious life, but because I I knew that death is around the corner, so um, so from there I you know lasted six more months in corporate. Then I left my corporate job, sold everything I own. Um, I I took a full year off, and I don't talk about this a lot too, but I just I took a year off because honestly, like I was sad and I didn't know what the hell to do and. I had a lot of savings and I just wanted to, you know, I, <laughs> I've been living life kind of like I have like a month to live, I think for the past couple of years, just cause I, um, yeah, I just don't want to waste any time and I just want to show up really big. So I took a year off to all of 2012, um, just to do stuff that makes me happy. And I, I did like hundreds of hours of pro bono coaching work. I, supported a bunch of friends like in their projects. And, um, and, and the, and the big thing is my, my brother and I just drove around the country doing, doing volunteer work. And we created this passion project called a, a, uh, a summer to serve where we kind of made this idea of taking the great American road trip and adding like a peace Corps element. And we just drove all over the U S doing, doing volunteer work. And we, we volunteered with kids and we built houses and we volunteered at like this amusement park for disabled children and we like we dug ditches we we shoveled horse poop in Des Moines Iowa <laughs> just just like all these different experiences and um it was probably even to this day like one of just the best experiences of my life and um and and i just just did stuff that makes me happy and but but over the course of that I was I was out in the world a lot and I was going to a lot of events and South by Southwest and World Domination Summit and um and just helping a lot of people. And at the end of twenty twelve, um, it wasn't my intention at, at all, but I built a lot of social capital just all over the country. And um I had a lot of people who I had helped and um and I sort of had a coaching business on my hands. So I, um, January, 2013, I, I launched my business and, and it's been, you know, and it's been paying the bill since and it, and it's just been growing and growing and getting better and better. And, and sometime in there, I believe, I believe a year ago is, is when I, I took a stand for men and I, I rebranded myself as the men's coach and just started writing more about men and um, just focusing on men's issues and and that's because as as I traveled all over the world and um, just met tons of people and hosted a lot of meetups um, I kept hearing the same pain points from from men and um, and the two are uh, one I just don't have any friends anymore like I don't have any like real friends, um, because I've, I'm on the path. And when I say I'm on the path, these men are either on a spiritual path or they're on the path of entrepreneurship, but, but they're doing work in their lives and, and they're like, they're, they want more from lives and they're actually doing it. Like they're, they're showing up and, and they're just growing and, you know, and they're not the same person that they were a year ago or two years ago. And, and as they look around, some of their friends just like aren't growing with them. And some of their friends might even like make fun of them or do like, you're going to some conference, like that's weird. Or, or like you're, you go to a men's group to talk about your problems. Like it's pretty gay, bro. You know, like they, their friends just don't don't get it because they, they don't have the same values of, of growth or of, of getting more out of life. So, um, so that's one thing is that just, and, and it's funny that almost the more successful that, that a man gets, it's like the higher chance he has of being lonely, which, which is crazy. But if, you know, I've, that's just what I found as I, as I talked to guys. Um, and then the second thing is that just men have a complete inability to ask for help. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, 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 and I still like with all the work that I've done and even, even coaching men, like there's, there's times where I, I could be asking for, for, for more help. Um, and, and what that does is it, it sort of makes it as a man, like grows as a man in becomes a leader in his community or grows his business, just the stresses like pile on top of him more and more and more. And until there's that day where he's just like, I just cannot handle this. And then he has like a mental breakdown or maybe that's when like the midlife crisis kicks in or that's, that's when he might commit suicide. So the, the suicide rates for men are like three to four times that of, of women. And, and a big part of it is just, like we are, we're, we're programmed to not ask for help. We're programmed to, to be a man and, and suck it up and like never show weakness. And, you know, it's like, you can do it all on your own. And like, you know, just all that, all that just stuff that, that we either hear, um, explicitly like from our fathers or from just mentors or from someone, or that's just how every other man operates um, so we just kind of learn by example of, you know what, like, I just have to do this all, all, all on my own. Um, so, so that's, you know, March, 2013, that's when I, I really started taking a stand for a man and, um, yeah. And, and business has been amazing and, and it's been, it's been really, really fun. Um, and inc- like incredibly rewarding to, to work with guys from just, just all over, Um, because there's not a lot of resources for men and, um, women are doing the work in droves. Like Oprah is like the personal development channel now. And, you know, there's so many, like most coaches are women and there's like all these inner goddess events and like emerging women's leaders and women's conferences. And, and I'm all for powerful women. Like I, all my friends are powerful women. And like, I only date powerful women, but, but there's, there's an imbalance, right? If women are doing work and growing emotionally and spiritually and financially, you know, like I know I have so many friends who are just badass entrepreneurs, um, who are, who are female, but then if the men don't, if the men aren't doing the work, then there's just, just more and more guys who are either like in marriages or in, relationships asking like, hmm, like, like, what am I here for? <laughs> and, and they're just, just not really showing up very well. Um, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of just like weird dynamics now in, in the world around relationships and, and, and guys like really just like not really knowing what to do or guys feeling like, like they're being left, left behind or guys even just like wondering like, like what's my role in this relationship. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's that's a bit about my my story and 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 what I do, and um, I kind of like that you didn't that you didn't jump in because I feel like I've shared stuff that I haven't shared in some other interviews. So thanks for just uh I guess holding space for me to ramble for a bit.
1: Well, <clears throat> that's been known to happen here from time to time.
2: <laughs>
1: um, you know, it, it's funny. I didn't want to interrupt you because uh, I I really was, you know, listening to so much of what you had to say and and uh, I I had so many questions that I had to start writing them down or otherwise I was going to lose track because you had so much material there. Uh, you know, as you might expect, I want to go back to the very beginning of this. Uh, I want to start looking kind of at your upbringing. I think it it's really an interesting dichotomy uh of being brought up in this very strict sort of religious background and Sort of feeling this need to escape it, and the, the question that I have for you around that is not necessarily about the religious background, but you know we we have this tendency to to look into our past in order to determine our future, and somehow you transcended that and I want to talk about that uh, you know how do you How do you let go of the past so that you don't look into the future and keep seeing your past?.
4: Mm. Yeah. So, so I think oftentimes we, we try and do the opposite of what our parents <laughs> are. Um, so if, if my parents were like really progressive, loving spiritual people, I'd probably be an accountant somewhere. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, I, I, I find that funny. I just feel like we always, we always just go against whatever our, our parents are. But um, in regards to, um, turning around the past for, for me, the, so the thing that, the, that, comes up for me has been like learning to, to look at my past through the lens of love and compassion. So, so anytime, so I'll give one example. Like I, I was a really bad kid. I, I got in a lot of trouble and I've been arrested twice and I've, um, and, and I lied a lot. Like I, I started the habit of lying because I didn't want to lose my parents' love and I didn't want to be like exiled from my religion and from the congregation. So I just started lying. And, you know, all my friends lied. We all lied to our parents. And um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this, you know, people who grew up with really strict parents. Like you just start lying because that's better than – like losing your parents' love or that's better than like, there's the, there's these fears when you grow up in in a religious household or like with really strict parents, like there's, there's fears that like, if I don't lie to my parents, I'm going to be like thrown out in the streets or um I'm like, they're just not like, they're just not going to love me. And when you're 13 years old, that's just, that's just not an option. So, so, so you lie. And when you start a habit, Right. Like, if you start a habit of flossing your teeth or working out in the mornings, like, you're probably going to keep doing it. So, if you start a habit of lying, then you're going to keep lying. And, and for me, the lies just continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, so my, my first girlfriend that I finally had as a senior in high school, like, kept her a secret from my parents for nine months. And, like, the first time I, like, smoked weed or the first time I, I drank, you know, the first time I like finally had sex when I was almost 20 and just, just, just everything, just doing kind of like that normal kid exploration stuff. I, I, I couldn't tell my parents. So I, I had to lie. So I, I, I developed this like double life where I had my life with my parents and with my church friends. And then I had my actual life, the one where I enjoyed being a little more open and and exploring. And, and it's not a like, it's not like a good or bad thing. It's just that I, yeah, like I'm not saying like drinking and having sex is cool. I'm just saying that like, that's just, there's things that I think every child wants to explore a bit. And, and when, when we're given a message from our parents of like, you can't do that, then we're going to lie. And then then you're gonna keep lying and and then you're gonna have a habit. so there was a point that there's there was a point in my life I'd say in my teens and even early twenties that like when given a choice, I would consciously choose the wrong path. I would consciously choose like lie, cheat, or steal. Um, And I would look at the people who are honest and think like, those guys are chumps or like, those guys are suckers. Like, why would they not like steal their clothes from the mall? Or why would they not like steal money from the register at work? Or why would they not cheat on a test in college? Like, that's silly. Like they're actually studying. Um, But I was, I was fooling myself because I was under so much stress that anytime, like anytime my dad called me on my cell phone or any time my girlfriend called me, I mean, I, I cheated on a bunch of girlfriends too. Like anytime, like anyone called me or, or looked me in the eyes, I would feel sick and nauseous because I would feel afraid that they would find out that, that I was lying. Um, so I was under just a lot of pain and I, um, I actually found one of my old journals a while ago from when I was 19 and, and it was kind of like reading like a serial killer's journal or like, like I, I feel like the Columbine kids probably had journals that read, read like mine, just really dark. And like, I'd rhyme the words like lie and like cry and die a lot. And it was just like the darkest, like, like dark, crazy, crazy person poetry. Um, And, and I wrote a lot about lying and just like, like, I don't want to lie. Like, I just want to die. Like, why do I always cry? And, um, and, and then I was just totally trapped and I was trapped in this like web of lies and I didn't like it and I was in a ton of pain. And so then I was a cutter for a while then I like numbed out with, you know, alcohol and drugs. And I think I've spent like most of my twenties drunk and, um, and, and I was, you know, and on the outside, someone would look at me and be like, Mike was a horrible person or Mike was a bad person. He, we cheated on his girlfriend or he like, he stole money from work. Um, but so I, I just told that whole story cause you asked me, how do I get over my past? So I've, I've learned to look at, at, at everything through the lens of love and compassion. And I'll never forget. I was on a coaching call and, and I told that story cause I, for the longest time, I had a ton of guilt and shame around being a horrible person for for most of my life. And uh, and my friend, Angela, who was my coaching buddy in the Martha Beck uh, coaching program that I went through, um, she asked that question. She was like, can you, so you just told me that story of how horrible you were and all the bad things you did. And How just how you hurt people. Um, could you retell that story, but while being as loving and compassionate to yourself as possible? Um, and then I started and I was just, I was weeping. I was just crying and I I had never looked at my, my past self with, with love at all. And, and I remember I I was just crying and I was like, you know, like he was, he was just a kid who was just trying to find love and like trying to do the best that he could. And, um, he didn't have money to like buy clothes so he had to steal them. And, and he just, and he started lying from such a young age that like, that's just what he did. And that's like the only thing that, that he knew how to do. And, and he finally like broke the habit, you know, like in his mid twenties, cause he finally learned about the power of integrity. And, um, but yeah, like he wasn't a horrible person. He was just a, just a really hurt kid. Like he was a kid in, in a great deal of pain. Um, so I, I take my clients through, through, through that a lot. Like, like anytime they're judging themselves for like doing bad things or doing horrible things. Um, you know, I I just say, can you look at yourself through the lens of love and compassion or, or, or anytime, you know, like everyone hates their parents for, for some reason it's either, (laughs) it's either my, my parents like weren't around or my parents grew up without any money or my parents worked too much and my parents gave me too much money. And now I feel like, you know, it's like, I, I wish I had to struggle more. I mean, I mean, everyone has something that, that some sort of beef with their parents. And I always ask them like, you know, can you retell that story? But um, using the lens of love and love and compassion. Like, can you be as, as loving and compassionate to your parents as possible? Um, and then they always just break down and just say, I mean, they always say my mom did the, 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 that she could and, um, you know, and she drank so much because she was in, in great pain. And, you know, she, she grew up in a foster home and she was working two jobs when we were young. And like, she gave her everything Mm -hmm. like she gave every cell of her being to us as kids. And, um, you know, and then I'll say, all right, well then why are you (laughs) angry at your mom? Like, do you want to give her a call and tell her all that stuff? And, um, so yeah, so the, it's like, how do you, how do you get over, how do you get over the past is look at it through the lens of love and compassion. And, um, and it just, like love just like transmutes pain and and it it creates an and awareness um and it just like dissolves all those like bullshit stories and it and it just c- completely flips things around and um and for me it's like i've i've used like love to flip around so many stories from my past and to you know times when you know like a girlfriend broke up with me or when when something you know horrible happened or when i was really embarrassed or when you know i was scared and um yeah so it and it sounds like just like mushy and it sounds like some like bs like something you'll see on a instagram photo like like love is the answer but like it it truly is like it it truly is it's not just so, like a refrigerator magnet like it's if you're able to like look into those those painful stories and then and then through that lens of love and compassion at, at all of the characters in that story, mm-hmm. whether it's you or your ex-wife or your parents, like, you will have, you will have a breakthrough. And, and you will see that, like, wow, just everyone in that moment was, was trying their absolute best.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. you know, at WDS because it's kind of an interesting dichotomy that you brought up earlier of the best experience of your life and the worst experience of life happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And the question that that comes from me for that, uh, and this is something I've asked a lot of people, uh, is is usually grief and, and traumatic loss can be a huge catalyst for looking at your life and saying, how could I not live fully after something like this? But, you know, it's funny because I think that any one of us, we know that it could be over at any moment. But I don't think that we really, really see that. Like, I don't think we can really see that until something happens. And I'm curious if you can bring about uh, that kind of a catalyst without having the trauma. Or how yeah. do you get yourself to that point i mean you know it's it's kind of like you know it, it's weird because i think parental death is one of those things or parental mortality uh is something that i have thought about and i realize it's an inevitable part of life and that we must be built to be able to go through it and yet it seems like it would be the most horrific painful thing i could have ever, ever imagine
4: mm-hmm. um yeah so so stuff that I've done is like I've walked clients through exercises, like where I, I take him to like a deep meditation. And then, and I just say, you know, like you've been given like 30 days to live, um, by the doctor and like really sink into that, like really sink into it and, um, really feel into it. And, um, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to spend the next 30 days? And, um, yeah. And they'll like, and if they really allowed themselves to go there, like they'll definitely have like, they'll grieve and they'll have a big emotional release and then they'll um, just talk about all the stuff that they would do. And it's, you know, it's, there's always something with parents. Like everyone says, I'll call my mom and dad and tell them I love them. Cause I haven't done that in a while. Or I'll call my brother and say, I'm sorry for whatever, for ABC cause we haven't talked for this many years and, you know, I'll, you know, probably, you know, who knows, like sometimes it's like, I'll go on a road trip or I'll I'll go skydiving or, you know, like I'll donate money or I'll have a big party at my house for all my friends. Or I'll just like, I'll spend the whole day in bed with like with my partner, just like having sex and like watching videos on YouTube or just, just like all this stuff comes up and then I'll tell them, all right, cool. Well, that's your homework. Go and go and do that. Cause that's what you actually want to do. It's not any of the stuff that you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've, and I've done some, yeah. And I've been taking, I've been taken into that place in different workshops and like different men's groups and retreats and things that I've done. Um, you know, like I had, I was in this thing where like they kind of led us through this like death meditation. And it was really like I kind of felt like I died. Like I felt like I died. There were we were laying in shavasana or you know, like corpse pose, which is how you end up after after a yoga class. So just laying on the ground. And the the facilitator was saying, just you know, like imagine yourself dying dying and then like your skin melting off and your internal organs like sliding out and you're you know like you're just a skeleton and you're like just a heart and a skeleton and and just you know just like really deeper and deeper and deeper and just almost just like imagining that that place of death and then he kind of kept us there for a while and then um and then he brought us back into our bodies and i said all right you're you know you're laying down on a on a mat, like in the room, in a house in California, which is in the U S and the world. And then, and then we, and then he's like sent us outside, you know, just, just go ahead. And as you come back into your bodies, like go outside and like experience life. And, and when I walked outside of that room, it was, it was like being born. It was just everything the the sun in my face and like the smell of, like the mountain air and trees, everything was so rich. And, um, and in that moment, I was just so happy to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, there's ways of doing it. I mean, other stuff off the top of my head, I, I have a friend who runs retreats and like this, like, this sounds crazy and super edgy, but he, it was really powerful. They, they actually dug graves and, and, and they led these guys like blindfold, um, and they like lay them down and then, like put a piece of plywood over and was like putting dirt on them and they're, you know, and they read their name. So they'd be like, all right, here lies, you know, Mike Rostowski And he was, he was a a good man. And, and, and the person would be like laying in their own grave and, and just like hearing what like other people have to say about them. It's like really experiencing that feeling. And, um, you know, all the guys who experienced that were like, wow, that was just a life changing exercise. And, um, you know and then just just being just being comfortable with death like being in in this country so like i'm going to ask you a question in a second so like in this country like we are so afraid of death that um like we do everything to like stay young right like botox and all the surgery we like any time our parents get old we we ship them off to the to, to like an old folks home and 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 we don't even want to see death. Like like the fact that like faces of death is a thing it just shows like how afraid that we are of death and um and even talking about death like I feel like there's been times when I've talked about it and I don't know, out of mixer or something and people will look at me like I just like took all my clothes off. Like like I'm some sort of crazy person. And and I think in this country like there's they're so like we were so afraid of death, but um, in in other countries that's not the case. Like right, so so Srini, like even in in India, I was just talking to a friend. Like, aren't there just places where like people go to die? And like like whether it, is it a river or like like am I totally off? Or well, you
1: know? I know they throw their ashes in the Ganges. That's uh, that's an Indian tradition, but. You know, it, it, it's interesting, you're, you are uh, you know, bringing up death, obviously, based on kind of the weekend that we, you and I have had, uh, mm-hmm. that it, it's there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think, you know, there's, I guess, it really, it's one of those things where you have to realize that this is really just a one shot deal. Like, you know, mm-hmm. AJ Leon always talks about this is your one and only life, what are you going to do with it? And... You're right. I mean, I, I think we have, uh, we have a strange sort of fear of death and yet it's kind of one of those inevitable truths that it's coming. I think the only difference between, uh, somebody who has a terminal illness and somebody like you or me is we just don't know the date on which it's going to happen. Um, and somehow we live like we do, you know, I mean, if you remember Meg, Meg Wharton, she said, you know, we, it's it such a horrible thing, to wait, you know you all have a life sentence on this planet, and to wait until you leave it in order to be free is is probably the worst possible thing uh, which is what I think about, but yeah, I mean I, I think that it's uh it's it 's such a complicated thing, and yet you know I think that if we sit around waiting for the catalyst uh, for our life to change, uh, for somebody to come and push us or something to happen. Somebody said – I don't remember who it was. Somebody on the show said, you know, you don't have to wait for your life to suck in order to start to change it. (laughs) And and yet that's what so many people do.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's – a lot of us are really comfortable. Like we live better than the kings of ancient history. Like Mm -hmm. we have – we can walk into a supermarket and get like 50 different types of toothpaste and like food from all over the world and, um, you know, food, fruits that aren't even in season. Just like the, the amount of choice, like, like we just, yeah, we live better than the Kings of ancient history. So, so for a lot of us, like we're just so comfortable that, you know, it's like, why would I, why would I do any like work on myself or why would I, you know, it's like, like life is good. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which, which isn't a, which isn't a bad thing. Like I, um, I think if you're, if you're always like choosing growth, like if you're always uncomfortable, then, you know, I, I think there's a balance of, of growth and, and contentment. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it just in general, like, I, I think the reason why coaching is such a booming profession and the reason why, like we're talking about conscious living and, you know, like, and the reason why like, you know, podcasts like this even exist is because all of our basic needs are met like on that, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So, you know, so then the next step is self-actualization. So that's why there, there are like, that's why I can do the work that I can do. Cause there's a lot of guys out there who are, have everything taken care of. Like all their finances are in order and they have a family, but like, they just still aren't happy. So that's, so like, let's, let's dive in and let's kind of dive in and, you know, figure out what's, what's really going, going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do, I do agree. And um, people, you know, people often get thrown into great change from, from pain and there's just not, I mean, the there, there is pain, but it's like, where's my iPhone charger? Or like, <laughs> I'm out of, I'm out of protein powder. Like, shit, I have to, I have to like, substitute something for my morning smoothie. Like, like those are the problems that we have today. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so for me as the practice, like, and it sounds crazy, but like I, (laughs) I purposely throw myself into uncomfortable stuff all the time. And, and it just, it's made me just like a better man. And, and, and I know, like, I'm not going to be doing this like all my life. Like I'm not going to be living all over the world and going to really intense workshops and like, just like, like writing about my entire life on the internet and, um, just constantly choosing growth. Like I, I have the hunch in five years, I'll probably just be like a really happy content dad somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be pretty like normal, um, in terms of, in terms of like what it, in terms of like my like living situation and like what I'm doing. Um, But like all this work that I'm doing now is just preparing me to be like a better husband and a better father and a better leader in the community. Um, Because if, if I didn't go through all this stuff, like if I didn't dive deep into like death and and money and sex and like all this stuff that, that I have triggers around and and I have shame around and weird beliefs around, then these beliefs are going to carry you know, with me through the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So, so better to do it now when I'm a young man and, and to do it now, like when I don't have a family to worry about. And, and I mean, I, I think better to do it now is just always my, like, that's my motto. It's like, Hmm, like I can get this shit figured out in like 20 years or I can just, just face it head first and, and do it now and have it not be a problem or not be a hang up again. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, for the, so for people li- listening right now, it's like, why would you not like, like, why would you not get that piece figured out? Like whatever, whatever it is, like your, your business or your sex life or your relationship with your parents or just, just, just like is causing you pain, um, you can either ignore it or you can face it headfirst and like dive into it with love. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, why not? You know, it's like, this is the one life that like the. The only thing that I know that's for certain, right, because people have all sorts of different beliefs on heaven and the afterlife and, like, past lives. But, like, the only thing I know for certain is that I have this life, Um, and, like, I'm going to make the most of it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Well, Mike, let's do this. Uh, Let's shift yours a little bit. Uh, I want to start talking about uh, the work that you do with men in particular. You know, one of the things that has always uh, kind of intrigued me about you uh, and why I wanted to have you on the show is that you've shed light in a conversation that nobody wants to have, uh, especially men. You've gotten them to have it, and you have also transcended uh, a lot of the stigma that has typically been around this kind of work, uh, largely a byproduct of things like Neil Strauss's book, The Game, and, and you know, men's magazines, and and the way, you know, the way women are almost objectified in all of this, especially in pop culture. And somehow through your work, you've transcended all of that, which has always fascinated me. And that's the part that intrigued me because, you know, I, I remember telling you last time we spoke when we didn't get our, our, the right audio that, you know, Manish jokingly calls you the men's coach for women. Uh, mm-hmm. Because there's something really, I, I think about your work that tends to appeal to women as much as it does men, even though it's geared towards men. So I really would love to hear, uh, one, how that's happened, you know, and two, I didn't get to really ask you about uh, your, your your year off of, of service, but kind of how that uh, has made itself into this work and, and how it's influenced and shaped how you show up in the world and how you work with people.
4: Yeah, so I I think something that makes me different from some of the guys who teach men how to be more successful with women is I love women like I really I I've always been that guy in a room full of women so my I my mom like loved the hell out of me and I had such a great just connection and relationship with her and just like so much of who I am as a man I I, I owe to her like all my academic success and just like the way that I show up in the world. I, um, I, I, owe a lot of that to my mom. And, and then I became a yoga teacher, you know, when I was 25. So, you know, it's like only do it in a room full of women again. And I, I'm a Martha Beck life coach and I, I worked in human resources in in the corporate world. And, um, and I just, I, I just love women and, and I, I think some of the guys that like get into the pickup space, like kind of hate women and, and, and not, and not that they're bad guys, but like they're carrying a wound that happened maybe when they were young and like their moms like walked out on them, you know, like cheated on their dad, or maybe they they had some girl that cheated on them or some, you know, ex-wife or some woman that like broke up with them and, and they're carrying and they're carrying that, that wound like into their work. And Um, you know, and so when they teach guys how to be more successful with women, it's like, it's through manipulation and it's through like, just like, I mean, I can't even just like, just, I don't even want to say borderline. It's just through like really manipulative tactics, like manipulative psychological tactics, like get women to sleep with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that just sucks. Like that just does no good in the world. Um, so So I like, I think that it's like, how, how am I different? It's like, well, like I actually love women and I like, yeah, like that's the, the, the difference. And, um, and I am something that I'm really proud of today. It's like, I, I have really great connections with, with all women, like not like just as a species, like in general, I mean, there's, there's some women, like, it's not like I have the perfect relationship with all women, but just I, I have a lot of just like female friends and, and, and I'm able to like deeply connect with like my friend's girlfriends and, and my friend's wives, um, just like without creeping on them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's something I talk about to my clients a lot of like, like you have to learn to like modulate your sexual energy, you know? So, um, I think for most of my life I wasn't able to. So like anytime I talked to a girl, like she would kind of feel cause women, their limbic systems are, you know, like way more developed than ours and, and their intuition. And, and they can just tell when a guy is standing in front of, like when a man just like wants to, wants to sleep with them, like they can just like kind of feel it in their body. And, and, and I think just by being able to like learn to modulate that, like it's, it's opened up the whole world of women to me. Like I, I can show up in a way I can, um, You know, it's like I can show up in a way that, like, I guess, like my cocks kind of like turned off, like, like, like the, (laughs) (laughs) like the, like the energetics, like around there. It's like, it's kind of like turned out, turned off. And, but instead, I just show up with like an open heart. So, like, I show up like a, like a brother or like one of their gay friends or something. And, Mm -hmm. and what's cool about that is like I'm able to just have really awesome friendships and, and I'm able to have women in my life who, like there's women in my life who like, I can say like, I love you, but it's, it's like, they're like my sisters and, and have, and it's just great to have like that support from the feminine. And, and there's a lot of women who do support me and they like support me as a human being. And they support me like in my work and, and they give me good feedback too. And, and they, they help me like when I'm not showing up well. And, um, my, my greatest teachers have, have been women have been like just really badass women who, who call me out on my stuff. And, and, you know, and the same with, and the same with men, you know, I, um, my best friends and the people who I hold like, you know, the most dear to my heart are the ones who, um, tell me when I'm messing up and and they're the ones that hold me to my hot, to my hot, like to the highest standard. And it, it kind of makes me think of like watching you and Greg on stage and (laughs) you know, when you're like, man, I, I, I hate these Tuesday meetings and, and Greg loves them, but you know, it's like they move my business forward. And, and, you know, I think a lot of the reason, um, why that, why the instigator experience, why the event was just such an amazing success is like you guys just complement each other so well. Um, so, so for a guy, I'm thankful for people who helped me show it better. Um, And, and I have a lot of people like that in my life, which, which I think just, just helps me play on a bigger stage and like help helps me do better work. And, um, and I think that like just helps me kind of like stick out in, in a field where there's, you know, honestly, like there's some guys who are just like, give me the creeps. Like there's guys who do this work on like, like how to how to have bulletproof confidence with women and like the the ten magic bullets to get in, in her pants and like I've met some of these guys and they're just like weird <laughs> like they're just <laughs> like they they're just really creepy and strange and like yeah they they sleep with a lot of women but like is do you want to spend your whole life just like banging like drunk twenty three year old girls at bars like that's you know that there's nothing wrong with that and I have no judgment and I you know I spent a lot of my twenties like having a lot of just drunk random sex. But, um, but there was a point in my life where, where the, the pleasure of just like having sex with a random stranger was, was less than, than the pain of knowing that like I was not giving myself fully or, or the, or the pleasure of just like, you know, just a random hookup was, was less than, than the pain of yeah of of just not having something deeper or like or like not having someone to like really really pour my heart into and like really open up and and have like that that crazy awesome deep connection which which ultimately everybody wants like whether even if you're fooling yourself and i'll I'll hear people who pretend like oh you know i don't I don't want that like i just i'm all about just like banging chicks and you know and 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 i I've even met women like that, but i mean really. I I think you're you're lying to yourself. Like you you want something more than than just like the physical act, because um, when there's nothing better in my mind than than fully connecting with another human being. Um, I mean, at a physical, like emotional, spiritual level, just like everything is connecting. And then when you when you have like when you engage in a sexual union from that place, then then that's just like that crazy awesome cosmic sex that I guess like sting talks about when he goes on Oprah and, 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 that is, and like, and that's possible. Like that is, that is available to you as a human being, but it, uh, it just, it takes a lot of like courageous conversations and it takes a lot of opening up. Um, like for, for the men that I work with, like the stuff that I make them do is, is really just be open to the world and be open to their partners and, have courageous conversations and, and they hate me for it. And they're like, no way. I, I there's no way I, I can tell that to my wife. And then, and then they do. And they're like, we just had the best sex of our lives. And just like, I feel so connected to her now. And it's, and it's like, yeah, of course you do because you're not lying to her. And, mm-hmm. and, and because you're being more, more open about stuff. And, um, And the more that, the more that I I do this work and the more that I grow as like a a coach and a writer and and an entrepreneur, the, the more that I just, the more that I, I realize and like, I, I feel it in my body, just how, you know, just telling the truth all the time um, is like, it's, it's scary, but there's so much personal power that comes with it. Like, I just, I feel really powerful all the time. Um, and that's because I just kind of speak the truth all the time and, um, and, and it feels good because it's literally the opposite of what most of my life was. And, and, um, and it took a lot of really hard work and, and, and I, I do not have it all figured out. So I, um, I think anytime, anytime a man says, you know what, I, I think I got it all figured out or. I, I think I've made it like, that's, that's just danger. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. when he's about to have a great fall or, or that's when like, he's, that's when he says to the world, you know what, I got it all figured out. And then he closes his mind and closes his heart and then he just stops growing. Um, so I, I never want to stop growing. Like when I'm, when I'm 70 years old, I'll be I'll be learning how to be a 70 year old man. And I'll be like, cool. Like this, (laughs) like I just, just everything will be new. Just Mm -hmm. like everything is new all the time. And, um, and like when I, when I show up at an event and like when I show up in a, in a room, um, I, I always kind of like completely open my mind and I, and I always have complete beginner mind. Like even, even if someone's been like doing work less, less, like less time than I have, or if someone's younger than I am, or like, even if, even if I, I know that I've helped more people, like, like that doesn't matter. That's just, I, I, I learn things from people all the time. Like, like kids, like my, my brother's friends all hang out with them and, and they teach me stuff all the time. And, um, and I think it's, it's really, really dangerous. And I think men, men do that, that a lot, especially when they've um, achieved a level of financial success mm-hmm. where they'll say, yep, I got it all figured out. And, um, and that's a really dangerous place to operate from in the world. Cause, um, cause you're not growing and you're not open to, to change and you're not open to like new perspectives.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, well, Mike, you know, it's really, it, this is amazing. Uh, I knew it would be a, a great conversation and I'm, I'm actually really happy we had to record it a second time because uh, mm-hmm. I think you really packed this with so much insight into, uh, you know, the way I see it is, is you know, after hearing this, it really our relationships are one of our greatest personal growth engines and when I'm looking at my life, I'm seeing how true that really is, uh, is that, you know, how I've grown is through, not just through relationships with women, but relationships with everybody, Uh, and that's, that's really powerful. So I'm going to close with my, uh, my final question, uh, which, you know, you may have heard me ask before, Mike, in a world of this much noise, uh, our show is called the unmistakable creative. How do you become unmistakable?
4: Um, so I, I gave you a different answer the first time, but what's, what's sitting with me is just, um, depth. So, so on the second interview, we went a lot deeper than we did on the first interview. Mm -hmm. And, and in a relationship, like the, the sex gets better, like the more you're, you're with someone or in a friendship, like it just gets deeper and deeper, the longer it goes and the more that you share. And, and I, I think just like depth is, is something that's almost a lost art. And in today's world of like instant gratification and when there's dating apps like Tinder and OkCupid, where you can literally just like swipe right and swipe left and like pick a person based off of their, you know, it's like Amazon for humans. And, um, and, and there's almost this like lost art of just like going really deep with someone and, and, and sharing, like sharing what makes you a human being and, um, being really present with someone and, and just like really just showing up for, for someone. So, so, so for me, it's like the, the people that I surround myself with are those people who are willing to go uncomfortably deep. Um, my, my coaches and mentors and, and friends, like they're the ones who are willing to go uncomfortably deep. And when I say uncomfortably deep, they're the ones who are like willing to talk about like really edgy stuff, but it's like for the sake of our own development. So Mm -hmm. when I think of like what makes you unmistakable, um, I think it's depth. Yeah. Like that's what I'm really sitting with today. It's, it's depth and like the ability to go really deep. And I remember Meg Warden, you know, during the Q and a, someone asked her a question and she said, you just have to learn how to just hold space like a motherfucker. Just, I mean, really, (laughs) um, just really show up when someone's in front of you or really show up to a coaching client or really show up to like a podcast interview. Um, cause there's a lot of just, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, there's a lot of podcasts and there's a lot of writers and there's a lot of life coaches. And, and if you're trying to, if you're like using some, some script or if you're like using some like template for doing your blogs or podcasts or like a template for your life, then, you're just going to be, you know, like you're just going to be a cookie cutter template, like the same as everyone else doing that thing. Um, But if you just like show up fully um, and just like give your gifts unapologetically and speak your truth and like love with all of your heart and be really, really, really present to the person in front of you, like you will stand out and you will stand out in a room and you'll stand out on an interview and you'll just completely stand out because everyone else is doing doing what um, everyone else is doing. So, so today, as you ask that question, um, I think depth is what makes someone unmistakable.
1: Awesome. Mike, uh, this has been really, really mind-blowing, and I'm actually very happy we had to do it a second time uh, because I think it was a lot better. Uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining us and, and taking some of your time to share uh, your insights with the listeners here at Unmistakable Creative. I think people are going to learn a lot from this conversation.
4: Cool. No, thank you. Thanks for being a, an awesome guide. and uh, Yeah, and for everything that you created this, this weekend at the live event, it was just just truly like one of the most amazing things i've been a part of so yeah thank you, so thank, you. thank you for bringing bringing depth into everything you do and 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 not settling for crap and mm-hmm. and uh, making us do another interview so this was i got a lot out of it so thank you
1: awesome and uh, for those of you guys listening we'll wrap the show with that you've been listening to the unmistakable creative podcast Visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives.
2: Hold up! What was that?